Welcome to the 12 Step San Diego uh, Intergroup 12 Step Within Willingness and Honesty Workshop. My name is Gregor and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Gregor. I'm your moderator and timer for the day. And if you wouldn't mind please joining me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, we ask that all phones and other electronic equipment please be terminated. Um, the session is being taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign a speaker release form before sharing. Does anybody have a speaker release form? Um, to protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. That's fun. The opinion <laughs> expressed here today, we're going to record this, but there's no recording allowed. The opinion expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. As a whole this is true. Uh, an Ask It Basket will be circulated for questions and answer portion of the session. If you enjoy the workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table in order to order copies of this session or any other session. They're available in CD or as electronic download MP3. The format of this session is not correct, so I'm going to tell you what the format of the session is. Um, my name is Gregor, I'm a, a, a recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Gregor. Um, San Diego County Intergroup has a 12-step within committee, and just about every month we put on a workshop, and we were asked to put on a mini workshop here. This is something we do for about, usually it takes about two hours, we're going to cram it in in one hour and 15 minutes. Um, we've been doing this for a couple of years now, about four, um, and Nancy just happens to be our 12-step within chair, and those of us and a few others are part of the committee. Um, we put these on, workshops on the last, generally the last Saturday of the month at the Oasis. So if you're ever in town, please feel free to come down. Um, these workshops are developed in-house, but occasionally we also grab material from the website. There's lots of helpful stuff out on OA.org if you want to put some of these things on. This in particular is, one is on willingness and honesty. And uh, I wanted to read something real quick before we get started. Um, it's from Chapter 5 and how it works, the first paragraph. We've all heard this before. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed this path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not, therefore unwilling, um, to completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men or women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates, they're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are far less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do not recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So we're going to break up the workshop into two sections, a couple of sections, actually. Um, we're going to uh, have a couple of speakers. And then um, we're going to, we have some handouts, we're going to do some journaling, and we have notebooks, I believe, if you don't have one. Um, and then we'll have a question and answer period, and then some exercises and open sharing. Uh, first off, I'd like to introduce on my right here is Diane. She's uh, been a longtime member of uh, Overeaters Anonymous, and she's going to be presenting our honesty section. And on this side is Nancy. Um, she's going to be working on our willingness section. So, if you will join me, please, and welcome me and Diane to the podium. Diane, thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Diane, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi Diane. Diane. 
And um, to me, honesty is something that is very important in our in starting our recovery. We have to look at our issues and. Uh, in order to get honest with other people, we have to start by looking in the mirror and being honest with ourselves. And I like to talk about gut checks because when I'm feeling less than serene, I have to kind of dig through my thoughts and my feelings and my behaviors and get really honest with myself to see what the problem is. And then I can go to my higher power and ask for help. Uh, but that gut level honesty is is very important in starting my program, and honesty helps me to define who I am and what I believe, and um, I have to watch my integrity too to know i I'm also codependent, and so people pleasing was a big part of my disease. And I have to really look at myself. Am I a chameleon? Do I change myself to, to satisfy other people? Or am I really coming from an authentic place? And when I can examine my honesty, then I know where I can start from with my own beliefs and my own system. And um, I've also learned to filter my honesty with others when I'm talking to other people that I have to stay within my integrity. And there again, I can also tell in, in my gut, I can see that I'm off track and I know that I've got to pray to get restored to that right place. And um, also, is my honesty appropriate when I'm talking to other people? Um, am I judging others? Am I giving advice? Um, or am I coming from an honest place? And um, honesty helps me to be a better person and to heal character defects. And honesty helps me to acknowledge my own, def- my own um, assets and liabilities. And honesty is something that I really apply to the to my step work and to my tools. Um, When I'm calling my sponsor, I need to really look at my own part and be honest. And I think that's where sponsors are such good, helpful resources because they get to know me. And when you have a sponsor, it's that one person who you can talk to about certain things. They know your history, and they can call you on your... um, different BS, if you will, you know, if you're getting off track and they know that this is a point for you, um, they will call you on that and, and um, get you um, back on track with what the reality is and what your histories and patterns are. And um, so um, also accepting others' honesties as their own truth. And we don't need to judge them. And there is no right or wrong honesty. It's just a matter of what we're finding as we reveal more and more. And I find that my level of honesty increases the longer I'm in program. It's like the proverbial peeling the onion. And it reveals further and further layers. 
And different events that happen in my life require me to look deeply and um, to see where I'm coming from, to examine my motives and to honestly process those feelings. And so it affects all the areas of my life. And in my program, it's been good to examine and to um, take the blinders off and really address what's going on. Because if I can look underneath things, then I can really address the issues and my patterns and why I do things. So um, it's a good, you know, reconciling ourselves with our true nature and what our patterns are and what has caused us to do certain things. So um, another thing that honesty is good for is taking away the secrets. You've probably heard we're as sick as we're as sick as our secrets. And so it's really good to uncover all of that and take an honest look at that. And um, it gives us freedom to try new behaviors and to evolve our recovery program and see just what makes us function and um, what is working in our lives and what isn't. And um, self-awareness is something that we really need to find in recovery through working the 12 steps or using the tools. And that can come about through different ways of using the program. Um, Soul searching and just listening to my gut um, and just looking at my motives about honesty without sarcasm and... um, you know, causing harm to others. We need to be discreet about how we present things to other people. And again, we need to focus on ourselves and not try to, you know, answer for other people. So um, I just have to admit that I'm feeling really nervous and uncomfortable, and um, maybe that'll help me kind of settle in here. But um, I'm really glad you're all here and I'm hoping that everybody's enjoying the convention as much as I am. And, um, but yeah, I think that honesty has to come from a place deep within, and it has to be kind of our jumping-off point. Because if we don't know what's going on with us, then we can't very well work on the answers. And um, once we are able to use the tools, then that helps us discover more and more what is going on and how we can better serve our higher power and how we can better do his will. And um, there are many different types of honesty. You know, there's honesty with, um, you know, they call it cash register honesty and um, just honesty about our feelings, Um, honesty about being asked questions and not giving half-truths and, um, you know, so it's, it's an important part of how we live our lives and what values we have in our lives. So, um, let's see. How much time do I have? Five minutes? Okay. Um, but I think, too, we have to, um, we have to look at being honest and um, with our higher power 
or he or she or it won't be able to help us out. So um, there are just many ways to work our program, and um, we just, you know, have to take responsibility for what we look at and what parts of ourselves are something that, you know, we examine. And um, so I think that's all I have for now. So I thank you for being here. And um, I think I'll turn it back over. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Okay. Um, do we want to do any, we have a couple minutes. Do we want to do any direct questions? Okay. Um, then I'd like to bring up Nancy. Nancy, come to the table. Thanks, um, I'm going to try and do this without the microphone. Can everybody hear me? No? Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll do, we'll do with the microphone. Is that better? Okay. It's just so weird to hear it back in my own head. Um, I'm Nancy. I'm a compulsive overeater. And there's a lot of faces that I see and I recognize, and there's a lot of faces that I don't. So very quickly, I'd like to give you a run-through of my OA history. Um, I originally came to Overeaters Anonymous in 1988. So I've been in and out of the rooms and up and down and around the rooms for quite a number of years. And I came back most, most permanently, I guess I would say, in 2007. And um, my top weight in my adult life was 260 pounds, and right now I weigh about 190. I have, in August, I'll have two years of abstinence. Um, But I want to make it clear, my abstinence is not two years old. My abstinence is only one day at a time. I just happen to have done that for two years. Um, A lot of people in OA have... uh, a particular aspect of the program that they latch on to. You know, Harlan is a big book thumper, and other people are an abstinence thumper, and it's becoming clear to me that I am a willingness junkie. (laughs) And in case you don't have it, there's a handout in the back, and there's also a little thing of beads and a little cup that you're going to need for later. So first I want to thank everybody for staying. I know this has been a very long day. It's quarter to five, it's five o'clock, people are hungry, they're tired, there's already been a lot of recovery going on, your brains are probably a little fried. So first off, this is an enormous demonstration of your willingness to get recovery and seek your program, because you decided to stay here instead of go get a coffee or take a nap or have dinner or meet friends or take a walk or something else, all of which might have been equally valid to supporting your program, but you chose to stay here. So everybody open up your little bead bag. Whoop, whoop. For everything that you do that you find you're willing, the bead goes into the cup. So my sponsor said to me one time as I was having difficulty looking back at my OA growth history, I couldn't see that I had made a lot of changes or that I had been particularly willing. And so what she suggested was that I get some beads and a vase, which I couldn't afford to give you all glass vases, but... And that... At the end of every day, I put one bead in for everything I had been willing to do or every change I had noticed. And that on those days when I wasn't feeling like I had done enough or I wasn't feeling particularly recovered, 
I could go look at my vase and see that how I was feeling wasn't necessarily a reflection of reality at all. Um, I also wear jewelry that proves that I have made changes. I bought this when I wanted to kill somebody in the Midway Airport in Chicago, Illinois, and I did not kill them, so I bought myself a necklace instead. (laughs) So willingness, what is it? What is willingness? I went to the dictionary, as I often do now, and according to the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, and this is on page one of your handout, it is action that is you are inclined or favorably disposed in mind, or it's done, born, or accepted by choice or without reluctance. I maybe have to put on my glasses. And when I think of doing these things without reluctance, I think of the things that I don't like to do, but I do them anyway. And the best example I can think of is either going to the dentist for a teeth cleaning or indeed just brushing my teeth. I'd like to see the hands of everybody who enjoys going to the dentist and having their teeth cleaned. Everybody up? Wow, you are awesome! How many people are willing to go to the dentist and suffer? Pretty good. So you have a lot of willingness already. If you think that is supporting your program, you go forth. I think having teeth is very important to being able to eat well. So even if it's something I don't want to do, if I can do it without reluctance or without resistance or without too much fight, that's willingness to me. And... um, in the big book, in, this, in the appendix to the spiritual experience, this is willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery. So willingness is essential. There is only one key, and it is called willingness. It's key. Once unlocked by willingness, the door opens almost out of itself. And already a willingness has been achieved to cast aside one's own will and one's own ideas about the alcohol problem in favor of those suggested by AA. By walking in the door, you demonstrated a ton of willingness. So how important is it? There's a website called 164 and more where you can actually go in and type a word, and it will do a data search in both the big book and the AA 12 and 12, and it will come up and tell you how many times that word shows up in a passage, and then you scroll down, and you can actually find the individual passages. And then you can click and link all the way to the original text. So I did a search on willingness. Willingness shows up 61 times. And, oh, I'm sorry. Willing shows up 67 times. Willingness shows up 31 times. Combined, it's 98 times. And then below that, you can see I did searches on honesty, sober, sobriety, recovery, acceptance, fear, Um, resentment, humility, anger, gratitude, and ego. And you can see those all show up nearly as many times. The only two words that I could find that show up more often than willingness are God and self. The thing you're trying to move to and the thing you're trying to get away from. And near as I can tell, willingness is the vehicle for doing that. So I'm going to talk to you. It's about willingness, but... I don't know about the rest of you. I get willing by the grace of desperation. I do not get willing by the grace of God. I don't get willing by the grace of my dog, not my car, not my house, not my clothes. Desperation will make me willing. We've all had plenty of experience with failure to control our eating, our food, our food habits, our food thoughts, or to change ourselves or the people around us or our emotional natures or my anger or... 
I have spent most of my adult life failing in those endeavors. And so when I finally hit bottom a couple years ago and was eating so out of control that I was really afraid I was going to choke some night at 1030 at night alone in my house with a lovely but stupid black Labrador who would not be able to perform the Heimlich maneuver on me um, or dial 911, I found relief in finally letting go of trying to control it and trying to fix it and trying to find a solution. I was exhausted from trying to find solutions to my anger. Oh, my God, I was such an angry woman, and I hated my father, and I never wanted anything to do with him. And I was terrified of everything and everyone all the time. And I was just certain if I could just find the right combination of whatever's, I could get my food lined up, and then the rest of my life would be Easy peasy. So there's relief in coming to the end of that struggle. And Anne Lamont in her book, Help, Thanks, Wow, the Three Essential Prayers, which is my prayer book, because I need things to be simple, help, thanks, and wow. She wrote, there is freedom in hitting bottom, in seeing that you won't be able to save or rescue your daughter, her spouse, his parents, or your career. Relief in admitting you've reached the place of the great unknowing. I don't know what to do. That was really the beginning of my recovery. I don't know what to do. I'd run out of ideas. I was dead in the water. No wind in my sails, no gas to run the motor. I didn't even have oars to row with. I was screwed. My hands were so banged up and bloodied from trying to fix my life, I couldn't paddle. I was stuck sitting in the water. And it wasn't until I admitted, I don't know what to do, that I could start moving forward. And I used to think that that was a wussy, what's wrong with you, you can't figure this out statement. And after all of my trials and tribulations, I now think that's one of the most courageous and wise things anybody could ever say to me. I don't know what to do. Because it means you're finally open and you're finally in that space where you just want it better and you don't care how anymore. And the ego's not invested in how it gets better. You just want it better. You have enough willingness You have enough willingness. You've proved it by walking in here. How much willingness do you need? Turns out you don't need very much. You only need what I call a thimbleful. A lot of people like to talk about that passage in the book that says willing to go to any lengths, but I've never been able to relate well to that. That always sounds overwhelming, and those are enormous expectations. And my expectations were already so big anyway. I had already failed at... I had already been willing to go to any lengths to control my food. Diets, diet clubs, counting calories, over-exercise. I tried becoming bulimic. It didn't work. Thank God it didn't work. I signed up for medically supervised fasts. I bought crazy diet pills at 2 o'clock in the morning from the TV that were supposed to prevent the fat from my food being absorbed into my body. I tried pretzeling myself into becoming the daughter I thought my father wanted, but since he was never clear on that, it was a very difficult thing to pull off. I had already gone to any length I could think of to fix myself. I needed something that was smaller and simpler, and I needed success, and I needed to be able to have it attainable. Um, And I'm going to read this little bit. My methods were setting me up for failure. So gone to any length to control my eating habits, diets, exercise, prepackaged food, methodically 
medically supervised fasts, over-exercising, taking pills, blah, 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 trying to throw up my food, praying, begging for my obsession and the physical cravings to be relieved. Good God, what could somebody else want from me? No, I needed something teeny tiny and small. And so that's when I found willingness. Um, So my story started, my story with willingness started two years ago in July when I got my current sponsor. And the first time we talked, we talked for about, I'm going to say 45 minutes. And she asked me several questions and what kind of program was I working and who had I worked with and how long had I been in and just some general history. And then she said the most amazing thing to me, because she didn't tell me what to do. She asked me, she said, what are you willing to do? And I was clinically depressed. My weight was skyrocketing. I was gorging on sugar every night. I was almost incapable of going to work every day. And I picked the smallest, easiest thing I could think of where I could succeed. And I said I was willing to write a gratitude list and a success list. But I only had to put one thing on each list, and I was willing to do that every day. And the only requirement she had was that I call her every day. And, boy, I don't want to do that. Only losers have to call them to a sponsor every day. Like, what is wrong? But I was beat. So I was like, whatever, I'll do that. She agreed with my plan of the success list and the gratitude list, but she's But she amended it to say that I couldn't just have the dog on the gratitude list. Because really there's nothing like a four-year-old charming Labrador retriever to make you grateful that something, somewhere, somehow, some way could love you. So if I put the dog on, I had to have two things on the gratitude list. And I literally started my lists that first week, I think, I don't know how many times on my success list I wrote, I drove to and from work without getting in a car accident because that was the only thing I could think of that I had done successfully. I also went and looked up the word success and accomplishment, and they did not mean what I thought they meant. So I recommend if you, are, if you think it means moving mountains to get what you want, that's not, that's not what the dictionary says. And over time, my lists got longer and longer. And over time, about two or three weeks after we started working together, She took a trip. Oh, my God. Who was I going to talk to every morning at 7.30 during my commute? Because that's what I wanted now. I'd been willing to do it. Now I wanted to. So I found other people that I could call in the morning to check in. The next thing she asked me was to write down a list of my binge foods. And I just about lost my mind. I have what psychologists call a startle response, which is that you suck your breath. You go, because... I just knew if I wrote them down, it meant I had to give them up for the rest of my natural-born days. And I'm only 53. That's a long time in front of you, ladies and gentlemen. So every day I would think about writing that list, and every day it would scare the living bejesus out of me. And almost every day I would say, you know, I know I need to write that list on my daily phone call. I know I'm working on it. I'm going to get that list to you. She never said another word about it. Three weeks. Three weeks of thinking about it every single day. And reminding myself that she didn't say anything about giving them up. She said, write them down. Those are two separate things. But to me, they had been conjoined forever and always. So it took me a while to separate them and get to the point where I could actually write down the list. And, I, you know, there isn't anybody in here who can't write their list of binge foods in about two seconds flat. We all know what they are. But if I had to put them down, that meant I had to give them up for the rest of my natural born days, and I had another 30 years in front of me. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. So 
I was willing to go back and look at what she had said to do and parse that out of my emotions and face my fear about giving them up and reassure myself, that's not what she said, that's not what she said, it's okay, she just said right, that's all she said to do. And then I became willing to share with my sponsor and my therapist what the food was really like. And it was a Wednesday night, and I sobbed in her office, and I said, I don't know what to do. And that night, I drove home, and I didn't have to stop at the grocery store and buy the binge foods. And I have not had to stop and buy binge foods since August of 2013. And that's what my willingness has brought me. And that's my story on willingness. And the more I learn about willingness, the more I am just amazed at how little it took. But you can see, I only was willing to start with one gratitude and one success, unless it was the dog that I had to add to. All in gratitude, one success, and one phone call. I didn't have to be willing to do anything else. I didn't have to be willing to do everything else. I just had to be willing to do what I could do. So, the purpose of program is to bring about a change in ourselves, a psychic change, a spiritual experience that enables us to change how we react to the people and the situations that we find ourselves in. And sometimes those changes happen slowly, and sometimes they happen really quick, or sometimes it feels like it's fast, but it's actually been slow. And so in thinking about it, I decided that there are actually five stages to changes. There's awareness, then there's honesty, acceptance, willingness, and action. So we've all had the awareness that our food or our food thoughts or our food behaviors are out of control and abnormal. And then we became honest enough to say, or no, I'm sorry, then, yeah, then we became honest enough to say that something was going to need to be done about them. And then we accepted that this was part of who we were. This kind of, okay, I can't really fix this. This is, just, this is just how it is for me, and I can't compare myself to other people. And then came the willingness to go look for a new idea. And then came the action of the phone call to OA or the website check and then ultimately walking through the door of OA. Um, in my experience, willingness has, leads to success, and I am, I am now a success junkie. I've spent so much of my life failing. I don't want to fail anymore. I want success. And in that respect, I set the bar very, very low, so I guarantee I get over it. Woohoo! Um, you don't need to be willing to do everything. You just need to be willing to do something. And willingness will grow over time. I cannot tell you how much willingness I have now. I have, I'm willing to sponsor. I'm not allowed yet because I haven't finished step nine. I've been willing to work my steps. I'm willing, I've been willing to make phone calls. I've been willing to receive phone calls. I've been willing to serve at a committee level. I'm, I'm willing to be honest with my sponsor, with myself. I've been willing to make my amends, even though I really don't want to do that either. Here are the things that I've learned about willingness over the last two years. Do what is comfortable and within reach. So at this moment, I'd like to ask Gregor to help me with something. Actually, I'd like to ask Gregor if I am. So if they'd stand up, please. So I need to get to Diane, right? Diane's the ultimate goal here. But as you can see, I can't reach Diane. And the more I stretch, no. 
The more I stretch for Diane, the more precarious my situation becomes. But I can get to Gregor. And if I keep getting to Gregor, getting to Gregor, getting to Gregor, I can get to Diane, which is the ultimate goal. Diane's always the ultimate goal. No, Gregor's the ultimate goal, too. No, I'm the ultimate goal. So I learned to do what was comfortable and within my reach and trust that the rest of it would come along. Oh, yeah, good job. Um, not everything that can be done should be done. Just because there's eight tools up there every single day doesn't mean that that's necessarily a good fit for me on any given day. Just because there's a million things that you can do for your recovery doesn't mean that you should be doing everything. Do the things that are, you do the things that speak to you. Do the things you connect with. You know, I don't make three phone calls every day. I make one about because my sponsor's out of town right now. I'm, I am making one a day, but generally, I probably only talk to my sponsor a couple times a week now. I talk with other people, but I make that sponsor call only every couple days. I don't need to talk to her every day anymore. Um, Willing to go to any lengths? We already talked about that. I scratched that out, and I asked, what is one thing? If I'm stuck and I feel like crap and I can't move along, I ask myself one question, which is, what is one thing, one action I am willing to, to do today? And then I do it. You can, always take, you can always take action. It's the willingness to take action that is the success, not regardless of the outcome of the action. So... Um, we know that especially from um, our willingness to make amends because I haven't had that experience, but I know that some people have had the experience of their amends not being well-received, but that's immaterial. The important thing was that you were willing and you acted on it. <clears throat> acting, on the willingness, uh, acting on the willingness I have empowers me. The big book in We Agnostics reads, it's, in parentheses I had to put this book, it's the big book's main objective is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself that will solve, which will solve your problems. The more you act on willingness, the more willingness you'll, you'll have got, or you will get, excuse me. I also have learned that if you're, that you can be willing and able, you can be unwilling and unable, you can be willing and unable, but you cannot be unwilling and able. If you're unwilling, you're unable. If you're not willing to do it, then you can't do it and you're not going to do it. I also learned to ask, what's beneath that unwillingness? It's okay to be unwilling. It's okay that it took me a couple months to get up the courage to call my ex-boss to make my amends to him. What was I, why wasn't I willing, though? I was afraid. So I don't ask for, when I pray, I don't ask for willingness anymore. I usually ask for courage because I'm usually chicken shit underneath, you know, whatever it is that's not moving along the way I want it to. Um, and it's okay to be unwilling today. Just try not to be unwilling forever. Like, I will never do that. That's probably not going to be very helpful. But um, the, the binge list, three weeks of day after day saying, I'm not willing to do that. But I'm gonna. But I'm working on becoming willing. I'm working on overcoming that fear so that I can get that done. It was okay to be unwilling. It was okay to be too afraid, as long as I didn't let that stop the entire process. And it wasn't slow incremental process. Um, 
And that's pretty much the last of what I had to say, is that I look for the underlying reason why I'm not willing, and I ask for courage, and then I turn my attention to doing something that I am willing to do. Um, And that has made all the difference in my recovery. It's made a huge difference. I've maintained my current body weight, I think, now for 18 months, and I don't work at it. I don't think about what I eat. I don't count calories. I don't spend a lot of time calculating my exercise to to food intake ratio or any of those other things that I used to do. I just... I just eat, and it's it's just a miraculous gift that I have worked my ass off for. <laughs> so I think at this point we go to questions. Yeah, there's an ask a question on the back table. Um, Breaker's going to emcee the, the ask it basket, yeah. or we can just go to open questions if you want. Yeah, so does anybody have a question while the ask it basket is making its way forward that they'd like to ask directly? Don't be bashful. This is the time to learn how to recover. You don't even have to say your name so it goes on tape. <laughs> um, while the Ask is coming up, I'll talk a little bit. I didn't cover my um, story uh, on purpose uh, because they, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, my, my name is Gregor. I'm a regularly recovered compulsive eater. My first meeting for Hi, Gregor. Hi, Gregor. Uh, my first meeting for OA was on June 17, 2013. Um, it was a newcomer's meeting here in San Diego with what we affectionately refer to as the Oasis. Um, the year before I, a uh, year and a half before or so before I came to OA, my highest recorded weight was 686 pounds. Um, I had lost 150 pounds and then gained back 90. Um, so I came into program at about 600, about 580, um, yeah, 586 pounds, is, or 96 pounds, I'm sorry, was my first OA weight. My first uh, couple of weeks was, uh, was kind of weird thing for me. I came into OA after searching on the internet for a 12-step food program. Um, I came here because an alcoholic inspired me to find a 12-step program. And, of course, on Monday night, the first meeting I wanted a sponsor because I knew that's what had to happen. I had to have a sponsor. And this is how you get things done. You get a sponsor. Um, and, of course, being good OAers in San Diego, okay. um, being good OAers in San Diego, um, they all said, no, 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 come to five or six meetings first. And then I read the big, and then somebody else said, well, what can I ask? I begged what to do now. I said, what can I do now? And they said, read the big book. And that did change my life. Um, we only have one question out of the uh, basket. Uh, the question is, is it acceptable to be more honest with a sponsee rather than my sponsor? Why or why not? No loaded questions there. Anybody have a response to that? <laughs> Hmm? Can you your story? Okay. All right, I will finish my story. Um, anyway, so I read, I read, the, I bought a big book um, from Barnes and Noble, got the electronic version, on Monday night when I got home from the meeting, and by Thursday I read the entire third, third edition, um, cover to cover. 
Um, at this point, I've been out of work for a couple of years due to clinical depression and the fact that I smelled so bad that they didn't want me around work anymore is really what it boiled down to. That wasn't the reason put on my thing, but that was part of the reason I've been given before that. Um, and uh, I am blessed in the way that I didn't have diabetes or any of the other normal severely obese diseases. Um, in program, I've lost, I'm down 125 pounds. Um, my abstinence date is October 22nd. Uh, this is my second abstinent, uh, abstinence. My first one lasted about 90 days. And um, I lost practically no weight for 90 days. And then when I got abstinent the second time and finally figured out one of my major problems was I actually honestly didn't know how to eat right, eat well. Um, then when I admitted that and managed to find a, a, some guidance in my dietary habits that worked for me, and the next year I lost 100, 125 pounds. Um, I've been averaging about generally two pounds a week, um, very steadily. Uh, I lost 35 pounds very quickly, and then I started losing about two pounds a week, which for me was a good goal. Um, I did have a minor setback on my last holiday, um, and uh, that I gained a little bit of weight back. I was down 148, and I'm now down, um, I, did, I gained about 20, 25 pounds from that, so I'm down, only down 122, but, um, the reason I didn't start my abstinence state over is because even though I was eating differently, I was counting my calories and I never exceeded my allotted limit of 2,500 a day. Um, I still gained weight on that, but I've also lived a very sedentary life. Now, having said that, um, it's been an adventurous year, um, and, but I think, I'm very thankful for the steps that I've done and the way I've, I've had to do them. Um, the last 18 months, I've lost my mother, my mother-in-law, and my adopted dad. Um, and uh, I managed to do all of that without going into any kind of binging. Um, my food plan is really simple and basic, and I'm not, I don't plan on going into it. If you want to ask me on the side later, that's fine. Um, anyway, and also I found one of the things I learned in the big book was uh, that service was slimming. I didn't say it that way. But, um, you know, the big book talks from cover to cover. It talks about being of service. So being the fool that I am, um, June 17th of 2013, I joined OA. And by December of that same year, I was on the board. Um, and then I've had now two positions on the board. My first position, the term ended at the end of one year because uh, I was filling out somebody else's position who left. And, and then I'm now also, now I'm the vice chair. I was just elected the vice chair in December. And as of October of this year, when I get my uh, two-year chip, God willing, then I will actually be qualified to fulfill the positions I've been doing. I also volunteer here at the Oasis. If you call the Oasis, chances are it's either me or Regina that's gonna return your call. Um, I actually volunteer there 12 hours a week just doing office stuff and trying to get the web up to date. And, doing little things, whatever needs to be done. Um, all right, well, then there is this question. Is, is, is it ex uh, acceptable to be more honest with a sponsee rather than my sponsor? Why or why not? Um, I find that on any given day, my sponsees and my sponsors, the role can be reversed. <laughs> We're just 
two compulsive overeaters talking to each other. And some of it can depend on the uh, experiences of the sponsor or our sponsees. Uh, we may have more in common with one than the other on a specific topic. And I say it's fine to talk honestly with them about this. Um, you know, I think it's, it's important to go to the mentor role of the sponsor and to also be the mentor to the sponsee. But again, I think the role reversal is normal and natural, and I don't think it's something that we need to fight. Um, whoever asked, asked that question, is that kind of what you meant? Is that, did I answer that correctly? Okay. And Nancy, did you want to no, I, I I agree with Diane. I do. I generally think of sponsoring not so much as mentoring in that I would have more information or less information, or more experience or less experience. I generally tend to think of it more as um, someone who helps me find my balance and someone who helps me change my perspective. And... Um, you know, I can find that in a lot of different. I can find that in a lot of different places and a lot of different feedback from all of the members of OA. And I think the key really is to be honest about what it is that's going on, what your your struggle or your frustration or you know whatever that is. Um, as long as you're being honest with someone, I think that's the more important piece. Oh, I'd like to throw a caveat on here too. Um, I think the basic idea, I, the, part of what I would like to address is the question, the part of the question that specifies um, is it acceptable to be more honest with a sponsee rather than your sponsor. My first question would be, why are you not being honest with your sponsor? Um, now, there could be good reasons for that, don't get me wrong. For example, um, if you think your sponsor is a rectal orifice, translated asshole, <laughs> Um, would that be, would it be honest to tell them that? Yes, it would be honest to tell them that. Does it serve any purpose? Does it help your recovery? Does it, does it do no harm? I can't imagine calling somebody that and not doing some harm. So maybe that's something, that's, you know, that's one reason you might not be fully honest with your sponsor. Having said that, um, and it also depends on what we're talking about, um, because if you're doing a fifth step, you may or may not, the big book covers the idea of a fifth step may or may not be done with a friend. Um, the concept of sponsor didn't actually come into the third edition, which was written in 1970, I want to say 1975. Um, before that, there was no mention of sponsor ever, anywhere. It's a brand new concept, actually. Um, but everybody was referred to as friends. Um, but when you're doing a fifth step, one of the things the book talks about, because the book is designed to be used by somebody all alone in some corner of the world where there's no other recovering alcoholics, is that you, have, you want to do a fifth step with somebody you can be honest with, and oftentimes that's often referred to a religious person, Catholics have priests that they can be honest with. Matter of fact, I know the San Diego Diocese has actual priests that specialize in fifth steps. Um, and uh, so 
The question is why you're not being honest with your sponsor. There may be good reason for it, but that would be the first thing I would address is why you think you don't want to be honest with your sponsor. And if then if it's you're constantly not asking with your sponsor, I might encourage you to think about finding other sponsors. Because if you can't be honest with them, then you're developing your own slight angle of resentment. Again, it's the reason why you're not being honest, because being honest, you know, calling somebody names, even though that's how you feel, is not functional. It may be honest, but it's not functional. It does more harm than good. So are you honest because you're trying to not harm, or are you honest because you're afraid of your sponsor and therefore that's not a good relationship? Any other questions? Okay, we also have a writing exercise that we do. There's some questions here. If you need some books, there are some books and other pens. In the back? Uh, there are books and pens up at the front. Oh, there's books and pens up at the front if you need a journal. If you brought one, great. If you don't, we, this is something we do here in San Diego constantly. Um, every single time we have a 12-step within event, um, we always find some writing exercises. We found it very helpful for people. Um, after this, we will have open sharing so people can share with whatever, however they like. Um, oftentimes, we share on, you know, we pick a question and say, this is what I'm going to share on. Otherwise, of course, there will be open, it's called open sharing for a reason because you can share on whatever you want. Um, so, does everybody have a question? Does everybody have the handout and the questions? This is it. Yeah, these are on page something. For the last page, the very last page, um, there's four questions. We only have about ten minutes for writing. Um, and uh, so, you know, if you want, pick one, or if you have time to do two, great. Um, so we'll go ahead and be quiet for ten minutes starting now. And then after that, we'll have open sharing. Yes? You said answer the four? Answer any one of the four you'd like, or all of them. Whatever you have time for. Okay. Good job. Yay. Susan, grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. And I'm just going to read what I wrote. Um, One, my willingness has grown and changed during my time in recovery by me realizing I don't have all the answers and I don't have to. I can ask for help and feel that I am worthy of receiving help. I have been open to the process. I have trust in my Lord and Savior in spite of what I do or don't do. I'm willing to seek him nearly every day. <laughs> and then honesty and willingness can benefit me today by creating an opening to a whole new experience of the world and my place in it that is comfortable and serene. And then I wrote relax and restore. Thank you. Oh, okay, thanks. Uh, Courtney, compulsive overeater. Hi, Courtney. Hello. Um, I did question four with whom or about what would you most like to be honest? 
I said that I would most like to be honest with myself. If I can do that, then I'm willing to be honest with others. Sometimes I fear that I'm in denial about a behavior or belief being unhealthy for me. But I have faith that my higher power will uh, lead me to that awareness or clarity of mind um, when it's best for me. And uh, when I'm honest with myself, I'm better able to recover, to grow, and to be of service to others. That's it. I'm Susan. I'm a grateful compulsive eater. And I just wrote a little note to God. Hello, God. Thanks for this day. As exhausted as I am, I'm grateful to be tired from recovery. The days of eating to the point of exhaustion are past. This is an amazing fact for me. I am not food and eating focused 24-7. I'm still powerless, but I'm no longer hopeless. A tiny bit of willingness can be the start of a psychic change. Being honest about how and what I eat can allow me to be free of the behavior that is killing me. And if it's not literally killing me, then it kills any chance I have at living the life that I fantasize over as I overeat and promise myself that tomorrow will be different. Compulsive overeating kills my life. OA lifts me up and sets me on a road to discover a power that supersedes my food solution and solves all my problems. Thank you, God, no way. I'm not alone anymore. I'm Karen, compulsive eater. Hi, Karen. Oops, sorry. Um, I, wrote, I wrote on how has your definition of honesty changed during recovery? or changed in recovery. Um, for me, all, honesty always meant telling the truth to others. Um, today, a big part of my recovery is getting to know who I am and recognizing what's going on in my crazy head um, and being honest with myself. It, it's not easy. Um, my crazy thoughts can convince me of all sorts of lies, so seeing you know, the truth is uh, what I'm working on today. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jennifer, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Hi, Jennifer. Um, um, the question I went over was, with whom or about what would you most like to be honest? And um, I thought, it's my food. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, five years into program that I would say that, but um, that's still a very hard thing to be honest about. I am in fear all the time if I listen to my head and I listen to... Um, you know, my disease, that I'm always in fear, and it starts with, you know, being um, not accepted by my sponsor that I've had for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and, and, I, and I, I talk about my food because it's interesting that I, I, I don't think that even in my friendships that I've had, long standing, that they really ever knew 
who I was, you know. I have always been the listener. I have always been the giver. I've always been, you know, whoever you needed me to be. And I scare myself. I'm a bulimic. So, you know, I go zero to 100, like, in a split second. And so it's not, I'm not afraid of scare, like, screaming at somebody. I'm not afraid of doing that, you know. I'm, I'm either this perfect little innocent girl or I'm this freaking nightmare. And, you know, and it comes with the honesty and, and being honest with my sponsor about that anger and, and being able to talk through it. That's even more natural to me than being honest about my food because there's so much shame around my food and my body image that it's going to it's going to take a long time for me to get over and I don't understand why it is and it sounds like kind of opposite of what it should be you know but um it's revealing that I live in a fear-based mind and I have to work on it constantly and it starts with my food every day so thanks for letting me share thank you My name is Aurora, and, I, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, actually, I was just here just to uh, support my friend. I'm not have not been a part of OA, but um, sitting here, I know that I've been a member of other t- uh, another 12-step program. I knew I had a problem there, and this is even a bigger problem. I've traded one addiction for another. And anyways, I, I'll just read what I wrote. Um, my willingness has perhaps grown in a minuscule way that I attended this session. And am listening and writing. I know as my willingness grows, there will be freedom. I need to be willing to feel the pain and surrender. I would also, I would like to get to the point where I am willing to work on and talk about the feelings and anxiety I have that I try and squelch by stuffing and the violent nature of release. I am aware and horrified of the potential long-term effects of my behavior. That's it. Thank you. Elmer, I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. I wrote the question about is it acceptable to be more honest with a sponsee rather than a sponsor. I believe what's happened with my relationship with my sponsee and or sponsor is that my sponsee is the first person that I speak to in the morning. So both of us have taken turns sharing about the previous day. So then when I talk to my sponsor... I've already unloaded a lot of what I wanted to discuss. My sponsor is someone that I co-sponsor, meaning we sponsor each other. Since I've already been honest with someone at 7 a.m., and my sponsor calls me at 7.30 a.m., I've already shared just before her call. 
It's not that I'm being dishonest with her. It's just that I've already shared with someone, and she takes the time to do her sharing. My former sponsor of 20 years passed away two and a half years ago, so that's why my sponsor, my sponsee became my sponsor. I am willing to be more spon- to be more honest with all those that I'm in contact with. So I think this might be something I need to pray about because my the person I co-sponsor with, we've been doing this for the last two and a half years, and um, maybe I need to call people to see if I need a change. So I'm. I'm willing to seek out others for their um, expertise or opinions. Thank you. One more. Uh, Mary Frances, Compulsive Eater. Uh, um, the question I answered is, um, with whom would you most like to be honest? Um, that's myself. I have no, um, what I learned is I have no program at all unless I'm honest with myself first. Um, when I couldn't travel a lot for work, I couldn't buckle the airline seat, but I still didn't think I needed to give up any foods. I was getting out of breath, walking not even a block, but I still didn't think I needed to give up any foods. Um, and that was my, you know, it was going to happen magically. I was going to, I was abstinent, and I didn't know what, what I was, I was defining abstinence, how I wanted to define it, because I didn't want to give up any food. So today, um, what I've learned is, I have nothing. I have. I don't have willingness. I can't have integrity. I can't have a program unless I'm honest, at the very least, with myself. Thank you. One more quickie, quickie. Okay, have at it. Ames and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I guess the longer I'm in recovery, the easier it is to be willing. For me, I have to see it to believe it. Um, Plus what was stated earlier, the more desperate I become, um, gratefully, the more willing I become. Uh, Honesty is just... um, is not just about stealing food anymore. It's about getting and staying honest with myself and my feelings. Um, how bad do I want it? And being honest and willing keeps me from drowning or see- sinking into fear and self-pity. Uh, today, myself. Um, I'd like to be most honest with myself about my feelings, my emotions, my thoughts and my actions. Um, 
Am I being kind to myself? Am I being true to myself, my body, my spirit, and my soul? Thank you. Okay, that's all the time we have. Um, Those of you who are going to be in San Diego on July 25th, uh, we will be holding our next regularly scheduled workshop. It's going to be on enjoying your recovery. Um, It's actually attached to your questions. Um, I believe it's on the last page. Yeah. Um, So, uh, and feel free to come join us at 2 o'clock on the 25th. Uh, If everybody would be kind enough to join me in the serenity prayer, and then we will let you get out of here and hope you have a marvelous recovery. God, grant us serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It will be done. Thank you very much for coming, and have a great time.